Right, let's start again. So, John 20, starting at verse 19. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Good morning, everyone. And uh, apologies to Dave. I think on the crib sheet, I'd put the uh, details back to front with the 19 and 20. So uh, really appreciate what you're doing there, Dave. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for your life-giving word and thank you for this message of life. And may it be just that to us this morning. Speak to us, we pray, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, quick poll to see which is your favourite uh, or most listened to radio station. Okay, so um, we did this at Quakers Road as well. Lots of Radio 4 listeners at Quakers Road. But uh, probably a slightly more variety here. So um, what have we got? Shout out your favorite radio station. Four Extra. Four Extra here. 
What do we have over there? Six music. Classic FM. Premier. Premier. UCB. The Christian ones are getting in there. Greatest hits. Radio Bristol. Good. We've got a local station as well. Well, you're all wrong. The best one is Five Live. You should know that. Um, so, with a bit of a sporting interest, then uh, I do listen to a fair bit of Five Live. Um, and, and sometimes I'm, I don't put them on deliberately, but when I'm driving around in the car, sometimes I end up listening to parts of the phone-in. And uh, there was a phone-in uh, about 10 days ago, and uh, they had a call from uh, a guy from South Africa. And uh, he'd been rather taken aback um, to find a deadly poisonous snake um, crawling up the back of his shirt uh, one day. Uh, not a particularly pleasant experience. Um, it was even more unpleasant and potentially rather dangerous because at the time, um, he was a pilot and he was trying to land a plane. Looks like Anita heard that one. Um, so, uh, a little bit tricky. Might just increase the heart rate slightly, raise the anxiety levels, but see, he somehow managed to successfully uh, land the plane and there was a happy ending. Well, um, the disciples, they didn't have snakes to contend with, they didn't have spiders to contend with, but they did have plenty of cause to be fearful and anxious. Their close friend and leader had been victimized, he'd been falsely accused, he'd been condemned, beaten and killed, all in plain sight. And the Romans and some of the Jewish leaders clearly had an agenda and the disciples' very association with this man, Jesus, put them in mortal danger. So no wonder they retreated and locked the doors, <laughs> wouldn't you? They were also somewhat uh, bemused and confused, trying to make sense of the events of the previous few days. Peter and John had had a, a foot race to the tomb, only to find that the tomb was empty. Mary Magdalene had come running breathlessly from the tomb to tell the disciples that she had seen the risen Jesus. What were they all to make of this? And what would happen next? Dare they show their faces? And yet their fear gives way to joy. By some miracle, Jesus appears in that very room. Not a ghostly figure, but the real Jesus, alive and kicking. And we read of the disciples' response. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Into their fear, Jesus proclaims peace. He says, peace be with you. But not in a way that just says, oh, relax, chill, guys. It's okay now, I'm here. He speaks out a second time. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God's gift of peace wasn't just to comfort, but to prepare them for future service. It brought them to a place of trust where they would receive the Holy Spirit and be equipped to make a difference in the world around them with renewed confidence. 
Fear is a natural, primitive human emotion. It alerts us to the presence of danger, doesn't it? It reminds us of potential harm around us. It produces a biochemical response within us. There's nothing wrong with experiencing fear. It's what we do with it that matters. We can be paralyzed with fear, or it can provoke us to action. And I don't know what you're fearful of today. We might be fearful of of what the future holds. We might be fearful for our children's futures. We might be fearful of dying. Maybe we're fearful of failure. Fearful of being made to look a fool. Scared of what others might think of us. All very natural concerns. But God says to us in Christ, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. I love the sentiment of the song we're going to sing immediately after um, this sermon. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Because God brings transformation as we submit to him and to his purposes. And as in the case of the disciples, we find that fear can be replaced by joy and peace. But fear has a twin, doubt. And we see it here in the response of Thomas, who's been rather harshly saddled with a moniker, doubting Thomas. We all have doubts, don't we? Perhaps fleeting doubts, perhaps more deep-rooted But for Thomas, because of this one quite understandable hesitation to believe, he's gone down in history as doubting Thomas. I'm sure there was rather a lot more to him than that. In the emotional maelstrom of that particular weekend, Thomas has a bit of a Mr. Sensible head on. Surely his friends are suffering a bit with delirium. They're claiming that Jesus has come back to life and joined them for a cosy chat in a locked room and it's all just a bit too far-fetched for him. After all, dead men don't rise. Especially those who've been subject to crucifixion by the Romans. He's prepared to believe he just wants a bit of solid evidence and who can blame him? But a week later, his doubts are answered, and he too hears those reassuring words, peace be with you. And he responds in awe, my Lord and my God. The doors were still locked, but his eyes had been opened. Doubts, like fear, can hold us back and leave us immobilized unwilling to move forward, agnostic, sitting on the fence, doubting God's love for us, doubting his purposes for our life, doubting his promises, doubting his power to transform us. But in doubt, we're called to express faith. 
And the writer to Hebrews sums it up really well. We've got a wonderful chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, which begins with these words. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And the writer goes on to list a whole army of saints down the ages who've exercised faith in times of uncertainty, times of danger. In a sense, faith is counterintuitive, isn't it? In a world where we like to see what is concrete and visible, we sometimes have to take a leap into the unknown. I know I've found over the years that when I'm in situations where where doubt creeps in and faith is uncertain, what I do know of God and have experienced of him is enough to help me push through and keep trusting when the road seems uncertain. I've also found that the faith and prayers of others has been a massive help and motivation. And that's important for us in the context of community where sometimes we will struggle, but others can be there looking out for us, supporting us, encouraging us, building us up. For Thomas and the disciples, peace and joy replaced fear. Faith and peace overcame doubt. Approaching things from a slightly different angle, I think there were three contributing factors to uh, their progress and their successes, all seen in these few verses that we've had read to us. Right at the very beginning of that passage in verse 20, there's a reminder of the presence of Jesus. His very presence with the disciples brought comfort and reassurance. The same Jesus who said, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And he is present with us, not physically maybe in a way that we can see, but as he intercedes for us, as he loves us, as he roots for us from his throne in heaven, the presence of Jesus. A couple of verses later, we're reminded of the power of the Spirit. Where their human spirits were weak and lacking in courage, the Holy Spirit of God renewed their confidence and empowered the disciples for service. And we too can know that power, casting aside fear and doubt that we might live out God's kingdom values. So the presence of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, and then at the very end of that section, we're reminded of the promises of Scripture. Jesus had helped his followers better understand the Jewish Scriptures and his fulfillment of them. We, of course, have a double portion. We have the Old and the New Testament teaching us, encouraging us, reassuring us. (coughs) So John reminds us of his purpose in writing. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the presence of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, and the promises of Scripture. The disciples, once paralyzed by fear and doubt, became men and women of faith and boldness, a true resurrection people. Acts tells their story, and we live that story today. So let's acknowledge our fears and doubts, and let's hand them over to our Heavenly Father, 
that we might be released into all that he has in store for us. And so perhaps if the musicians can come and join me, we're going to um, have a time of sung worship now, beginning with that song, with a chorus which we'll sing on several occasions. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And if you're here this morning and actually you're uh, at a point in your life and circumstances where fear and doubt are crowding in and you just value someone to pray with you, um, I'll be at the back as we worship, so do come and it would be a privilege to pray with you. Let's invite God's Spirit in to reassure us and encourage us. Let me pray again before we stand and sing together. Lord, thank you that you are the God who brings transformation. Lord, we think of that transformation in those days around your resurrection, the transformation of death to life, the transformation of fear and doubt to joy and hope and life and peace. And we long to know that now, Lord God. So meet with us, we pray, as we continue to worship and pray together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's stand to sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear.